I'm going to um, show you a short movie. It's about nine minutes long. And um, I watched this years and years ago when I kind of first started doing youth work. And it won some awards um, for a short movie. Um, I will give a little bit of a caveat right at the beginning. It's a little bit scary. Okay? Um, so if anybody is of a nervous disposition, um, there's, 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 there's a good reason for, for playing it. Okay? But it's really... It's something that I've always watched and I've thought this, for me, sums up what we're meant to do. And I'm going to, sh- I'm going to kind of like talk about that movie a little bit more uh, in a bit. So it's about nine minutes long and uh, it's a bit of su- suspense. Um, but obviously if any of you do think, oh my goodness me, what's happening here? Gary's gone nuts showing us this. Um, we've probably all seen worse on the TV. But this is a, it is a Christian kind of thing but it's it's edgy all right so i'm gonna go ahead and play it and uh i've i've already had a chat with the guys in the office shall we shan't we and i think as long as you give that little bit of a caveat actually you'll probably think what you want about gary but i just want to lay it out there okay because it is it's, it's a bit edgy all right so thank you martin thanks martin um whew. Sorry if that was a little bit too scary for some people. Um, I wouldn't have shown it if I, I knew that was the ending. Okay, and I know that it can be a little bit um, scary, and I, I really wrestled with whether to do that or not, whether to show it or not, and, and I'm sorry if that has uh, upset anyone. But for me, this movie shows and throws up so many emotions. I know some of us were laughing and joking a little bit, and that's how we deal with kind of stuff that we're like, I don't know how I'd react to this. It's scary. Some of us jumped. Some of us have all these emotions of what's going on. Is it right that I should be watching this? We assume that this homeless guy is going to attack her. That's our assumption. Our assumption is that he's wanting to attack her. He's not able to speak. He's mute. He can't express... The, the, I'm sure he could have done a million other ways of saying you're on a railway track, but how do you do that? How do you do that when you can't speak and when it's a fearful situation? And the reality then becomes clear for us that actually he's not there to attack her, he's there to rescue her. He's there to rescue her. Because that train is just going to flatten her, it's just going to kill her. It's a powerful little video. I can see why it won some awards, uh, because you do think the worst, and then you're so relieved that actually it's a really good kind of ending. And I was, as I was musing on, on watching this again, I was kind of like, uh, I always kind of prepare a couple of weeks in advance, roll over in my head what God might be saying through some of the sermons that are going on here, some of the stuff I read in Scripture, some of the stuff I see outside in the big wide world. And um, the, the word rescue came up uh, quite a bit. And we know we'd sung the song Rescuer uh, recently at the youth service. And it was something that stuck with me. What is it uh, to be rescued? And I don't know if anyone's ever saved anyone's life here. Anyone? Michelle has, which is surprising. Normally it's the other way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Apart from maybe some paramedics and, and people within the emergency services, um, 
Has anyone saved anyone's life? Okay. I've saved three. All right? I'm proud of that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, first one was a real Baywatch moment. So it was... What do you mean? We saved... <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> and it was, it was um, we were in a youth camp years and years and years ago when we were at Gold Hill Baptist Church and Bob Allen was, was doing the, the, the speaking at the youth camp and we, me and Kate were quite young and uh, I was a lot slimmer then um, and we heard that some of the boys had gone out for a swim to the rock. It was their challenge to get out to this rock and they swam out to the rock and um, the tide started to come in. So the swim back was um, longer and longer. And um, one of the girls came running up to us as we were playing this awesome game of volleyball. Uh, I think it was we were winning. And uh, said, Dean is drowning. The the words you do not want to hear as a youth worker. Dean is drowning. The boys are struggling to get him back because he's not a brilliant swimmer. And you could kind of see some of the other leaders kind of like, what, what do we do here? I just reacted straight away and did the whole David Hasselhoff thing, <laughs> running down the beach full pelt, taking the T-shirt off at the same time and throwing, and then just going into the water and swimming out and thinking, i just save him. I got out there and I'm thinking, flipping neck, they've gone a long way. <laughs> this is a nightmare. And get out to these lads, and literally at that point, Dean is going underneath the water, and the boys are screaming. It's that real panic setting in moment. And I don't know how I did it. I'm not the most brilliant, strongest of swimmers, and more of a buoyancy aid now. <laughs> um, but I managed to just grab him, and, and between us all, we just managed to get him back. He was coughing and spluttering, and I know if it had been another 30 seconds or so, he was under the water. And it was a really, you know, it was kind of like, oh, do you think, oh Gary is brilliant, he saved Dean's life. And there's a real kind of proud, proud thing in that. And it was just like, I did it, I did it. I saved someone's life. It was just like, you know, you give it kind of like that little bit of a swagger in your life. There were two other occasions as well. Both of them were family members. Uh, Dad will know this one um, because he told me never to tell anybody about it. And we were swimming on Woolacoon Beach, and they got the riptide, yeah, on that beach. And it's, it's, it re- there's, there's, a, there's an edge on Woolacoon Beach which all of a sudden just drops off. And all of a sudden, you are, you're treading water. And I just remember out with Dad in the waves, and just all of a sudden, you just turned around and just went, Gary, I cannot, I can't find the edge I can't, I can't get back, I can't get back. And I'm like, I don't know how old I was, I was really young, I went to Cornwall. And I, I was just like, the only thing I could think of doing is I'd managed to get my foot right on the edge of the sand where I could feel it then went off and just dug my foot in as much as I could and stretched out. And we just managed to grab your hand before the tide took you out and pulled you back in. Scared the living daylights out of me as a little boy having to try and save your dad. <laughs> Didn't you do it? <laughs> But it was one of those moments where you're just like, wow. You look back on it and you think, flipping heck. I did that. And the last one was my sister. It had a lot to do with water. Something about that. She was in a swimming... Sorry? Hey, there it is. 
And my sister was quite young and she was holding on to a beach ball in a pool that was really deep. There's no way that it was one of those pools in France where they just like to see if English people could drown because it's so deep, you know what I mean? And it was just like... And somebody jumped in and knocked the beach ball out from her and she wasn't a really good swimmer. Because everyone was laughing and joking around, he didn't think anything about it. Everyone was in the pool. And I just remember just seeing my sister, probably about five years old, at the bottom of the pool looking up. <sighs> the only thing I thought of doing was jumping straight in. This is the only thing to do, and just trying to lift her as much as possible up to get her out. I know I was under the water at the time, managed to get her up. And it's just like, as I was kind of like going through, just thinking, flipping it, I've saved people's lives. I'm not a paramedic or anything else like that. It just, it just did it. It just did it instinctively. It just jumped in. And I'm, I'm really pleased that I've been able to do that. I went on Wednesday. It was Toby's birthday. So we went, we went to London for the day. And we went to the Imperial War Museum. And there's a, there's, they've done a brilliant Holocaust exhibition. And uh, it's really, really moving. Really sobering. To, to go there and see what happened uh, in World War II. I won't go into details because you kind of know, but if you ever get a chance to go there and look at it, go and do it. Uh, you go through the whole story of why Hitler did what he did and you go through what they went through as a nation, as a people. And as you come out, you see, the pe- you see what happened to those people that committed the crimes. And you also get to see videos of the survivors and some of the rescuers. And I got home and I was really challenged because I remember seeing a Facebook video, a video of this guy called um, Sir Nicholas Winton. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was on an old Esther Ranson programme where he was reunited with someone that he saved, uh, bringing them out of Czechoslovakia as a child and saving them. And he had no idea that she was sitting next to him. And they kind of like that, that reunion kind of thing and the hug and everything else. And then she said, is anybody else here in the audience that has been saved by this man? And about 40 people stood up around him. Now, he saved 669 children from Nazi invasion of Czechoslovakia. He got them out on trains. Eight trains left Czechoslovakia to come to this country and some of the other countries to get out. Only one didn't make it. The last one didn't make it. That guy saves 669 lives. Puts my three into comparison. Now, all this is really good. But for me, saving someone's soul is more important. Saving a life is really important, don't get me wrong. But to see someone come into the kingdom of God, that's special. That is really important. You can save 669 lives, but if none of them get into the kingdom... And as I was kind of reflecting on this, I'm not kind of diminishing the the, the lives that people have been saved, certainly not diminishing my sister and father and this lad Dean. Um, but, But I'm... I'm really kind of like thinking the eternity, the eternal, means so much more than just this fragile kind of four score years and ten or whatever it is. 
And we see in scripture so many times where God has saved people. He saved Noah from impending doom. The Israelites he saved time and time again when they messed up. Jonah, via the most unlikely uh, uses of transport, when he was drowning at the bottom of the sea, they used the big, big fish. Daniel in the lion's den, the list goes on. Actually, I should have my PowerPoint up here at this point, sorry. Is it up, Martin? Let's have a little look. Because I've got a PowerPoint, I did do some planning in this. There we go, there's me doing rescuing stuff. Don't see that. <laughs> no, sorry. Let me put it on the next one, Martin, so that seems to be picking it up. Oh. All right, if you can catch up at some point, that'll be good. <laughs> um, last, last Sunday, Tom spoke on Philippians 1, and uh, it's actually one of my favourite verses uh, that he spoke on. And uh, Philippians 1, verse 21, it says, For me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, where are we at? And see if I can find a picture. Oh, are you going? That's me. Right. There we go. There's uh, Winston or Winton, whatever his name is, Sir Nicholas Winton. <coughs> if I oh, the back one. <laughs> if I ever had a tattoo, and I'm not going to. That's what I'd have. To live is Christ, to die is gain, for me. Because as we read about this in in um, Philippians. Paul says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Wow. Paul's love for Christ was so much that he was, he was which is better, <laughs> to live this life for Christ or to die and have the gain of eternity with Christ. Paul was really going through a bit of a conundrum. For me, I want to live for Christ. That's my passion. I want to let people know that it's all about Jesus. What about you guys? Do, we, do people know that for you to live is Christ? Or actually, are you a little bit like the homeless guy in the movie where you're a bit mute? You're not really saying much. Do you have any, every intention to warn people but just can't find the words? I think, sadly, for some of us as Christians, the act of trying to save someone is taken wrong. And it's been actually like an assault on that person only to see them reject Jesus based on their actions. I saw today a street preacher that was arrested uh, for someone reported that he was being Islamophobic. Don't know, you just get a short clip and everyone's saying how terrible that a Christian preacher gets arrested in this country for preaching. We don't know the full situation. But it is very interesting for me is actually sometimes we can shout it from the rooftops and actually it becomes too much for people 
too much for people. I think that's why we need, as I've said before, we need to be people of peace, building relationship with people instead of barking hell and doom at people. Don't get me wrong, I think there needs to be a balance. Um, We've looked uh, as youth, uh, we're going through Mark, as I've said it before, and Mark 4, um, actually one of the things is like, to live for Christ is to put your light on a stand, not to hide it under a bowl, to let the light shine out so all that can see. In order to do that, we need to be gospel ready. Okay, We need to be a person of Christ, to have care, compassion, be a person of peace. Uh, one of the young people uh, was saying, well, when you're in that situation, what do you ask? Or what, what do you start to say to, to your friends? And um, one of the things I mentioned is that, you know, actually, when did you accept Jesus? Remember that time when you made that commitment, the joy, the elation, that kind of like first knowing wow, this is what it's like to feel saved. To write it out and and practice it. Like having a little bit of a two-minute testimony kind of thing. Just having that kind of, of, of knowledge right deep down inside. This is what I can share. Because people want to know. If they're really good, close, true friends, they want to know. I think that's your starting point. And then through prayer, you allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest. And he does. There needs to be a balance. As I said, you know, the street preachers have got arrested for saying what he said. And, and I'm more of a person that wouldn't really preach it on the street, but would probably build relationship with people and, and do it through warm evangelism, that kind of way. There needs to be a warning... There needs to be a warning. There were no warning signs for that lady in the car. There were no, you know, railway track ahead or anything else like that. There were no big red lights or anything. There was nothing there. There was no warning sign. Who was letting her know that she was doomed? It was only through the action of that homeless guy that rescued her. I think the fear of God is important. It's important to, 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 you know, to, to get to a point of relationship with someone where you can actually say, where will you spend eternity? You can get to a point where you're trusted enough that you can say, where will you spend eternity? I did it to a couple of my mates. One, it really upset him. He didn't want to know Jesus at all for 10 years. Now he's leading men's ministry down in his church. The other one I mentioned, I said, what happens if you get run over by a bus tomorrow? Where do you go? Heaven and hell. He gave his life to Jesus in one of the most notorious parks in northwest London, the Dollis Hill Park, where there's actually been people stabbed and murdered. <laughs> and here I was leading him to Christ. But it was built in relationship and getting to know someone, being that person of peace. Who are you rescuing? Our role on earth is quite simple. Love God, love others, win them for Christ. It isn't rocket science. It shouldn't be rocket science. 
I love that. It says it should be our passion to plunder hell and populate heaven. That should be our passion. That should be our, come on. Jesus said there are many rooms in his father's house. Not just enough for us, the Christians. There are many rooms. He wants it full. He's continuing to build rooms. He's continuing to prepare. He says, I prepare a place for you, to the disciples. And I believe that he's preparing places for others. I believe truly the act of salvation lays at the feet of Jesus. They were nailed to a cross for us, for a reason. They were nailed to a cross. And it is only through Christ that we can have salvation. Only through Christ that we can have salvation. There is no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, Jesus is in glory now. Scripture tells us that he sits at the right hand of the Father. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us power. Because it's now our responsibility to go and rescue people, to go and make disciples. It's not my responsibility, it's our responsibility. It's collective, it's all of us. Colossians 1, uh, verse 13, uh, just read it quickly. Funnily enough, I had it underlined and highlighted in my Bible before I even went there. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been rescued from the darkness, the dominion of darkness. Notice it's not a kingdom of darkness. It's a dominion. It's a domain. The kingdom belongs to the king, to Jesus. And we've been rescued from that. The ultimate act of rescue was Christ dying on the cross instead of you. Because that's what we deserve. We know what we've done. We know what we've done wrong. We deserve punishment, but we don't get it. It's bonkers. It's outrageous grace. Takes your sin, your shame, gives you the grace of eternity. So for us to die is gain. We gain that eternal glory. Uh, Joy Clark this morning, um, who uh, works with Andy to head up the sense. I thought she, she, she shared a really powerful message this morning here. And um, one thing that stuck with me, and I, I, I stuck it on social media, is what more do you want from God? You cost him his only son. You have it all. Jesus is your rescuer. Now work with him to rescue others. I love that from her this morning. I shared with her, I said, I'm going to talk on rescue tonight. She was like, no. I said, yeah. We had no idea. I had no idea she was going to share that. She had no idea I was going to share what I was going to share tonight. That for me is when God 
wants to say something. So for me, let's do the same. Let's not be the mute homeless guy that has to use some scary tactics to rescue people. And I think the church has been guilty of that over many years. But let's work with people. Let's let's talk to them. Let's say, hey, guys, just to warn you, you're, you're doomed at the moment. You need to know Jesus. I know that's really hard, and we shouldn't feel guilty if we're not doing it, but actually that's the challenge for us. It's a challenge for me. Who am I sharing the good news of Jesus with? Who am I challenging with the good news of Jesus? Who am I rescuing? Because Christ has rescued me, and I thank God for that. And we do that by singing worship songs and give thanks to God. But who are we rescuing? Let's just spend a little bit of quiet thinking of the people that we so dearly want to see rescued and ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength and the power this week to share that good news. So that when we do have a little bit of a time of testimony, (laughs) we'd be hearing more and more and more and more. Let's just take a little bit of quiet and then I'll pray for us and then the guys are going to come and close in worship. Father, I'm very conscious that it's a challenge for all of us to share the good news. We can sometimes not have that confidence and want others to maybe do it because we're not really that evangelistic. But Father, you call us all to be disciples that make disciples. And Father, we, we sometimes pray, help us when actually we've got all the help we need through the Holy Spirit, through your scriptures. Father, I pray that for each one of us, we would have a sense of being bold, of great courage, to care for people, to love them into the kingdom. Not to beat them over the back with guilt and shame, but to show them that you are a God of love. You're a just God, but you're a God of grace. That we've been rescued. Father, through your spirit, give us the strength to rescue others. To populate heaven and plunder hell. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.